Hi friends, this one is for the birth photographers. If you've ever wondered what it's like inside the beauty and birth photography course and certification coaching calls, this is your sneak peek. I'm taking you behind the scenes on a few of our calls with some amazing insights that will help you improve your photos, whether you're brand new or experienced in birth photography. Welcome to the From Better Half to Boss podcast. I'm Tavia Redburn, and on this show, I share how I retired my husband from his nine to five with my birth photography business, all while homeschooling my three kids. If you have a passion, there is a reason. It's because you were made to follow that passion. It's your time to go from better half to boss. Hey y'all, I'm Tavia and I help photographers learn how to specialize and get fully booked with ideal clients so they can go full-time. Students learn this through the beauty and birth photography certification and through marketing school for photographers. We have a treat for you guys today. Those of you who are birth photographers or are interested in birth photography, I'm going to take you behind the scenes with some of our students inside of our coaching calls for the beauty and birth photography course and certification. We're going to talk about things like what to do if the midwife doesn't make it to the birth and some tips for the I did it moment. And if you don't know what that is, we'll talk about it. How often to check in with the mom when you're on call, how to find the right song for birth videos, what to wear to births, and how to get your clients to share your images with proper permission, tagging, and watermarking. That is applicable for any photographer, by the way, not just birth photographers. So I'm excited for this episode and for you to dig in. So let's get to it. Is there anything in the course about what to do if the midwife doesn't show up? Um, so there is not that I know of. I have had this happen one time where it was, I was the first one to arrive. I think I did a TikTok on it actually, because it was like, I walked into the room and I could hear her pushing and I looked around like into the house. I walked in the house and I could hear her pushing and I looked around and I was like, I'm the only one here. Like the midwife, the midwife assistant, nobody was there. And Courtney, maybe something similar happened to you. And I was just, I just went into like, um, photographing mode. Cause I knew that everybody was on their way. Sometimes people can push for a really long time. So I didn't like panic. I was like, okay, just doing my normal thing, taking photos. Um, and then thankfully the midwife assistant arrived and she ended up catching the baby, which is not something she's trained to do as a midwife assistant, but she's more qualified than me. And so she caught the baby and the midwife arrived so- shortly after. So there's not, I would say it's rare depending on the midwives that you work with, like how close they push it. Some midwives will send an assistant first before they get there. And then to me, it's kind of like, okay, now it's on the assistant to handle like whatever happens and I'll still capture it. Um, it wouldn't hurt, put something in your contract about like, I am not liable if I'm photographing the, and you want to talk to a lawyer, of course, about like the wording of all of this, but it wouldn't hurt to put something in your contract that addresses that so that it removes the liability from you. That's the only, like if something happened and there wasn't anybody there and all of that kind of stuff, um, that's the only thing that I think I would do in that situation, but it has only happened to me one time. And the midwife assistant did make it. 
how do you know what image is the I did it moment? I do a burst of photos as soon as baby is born and they're all so different and I can't really distinguish the specific moment. So I started calling that moment the I did it moment because I noticed so many of my clients had this moment where they're like, okay, I have my baby. Is everything okay? And then they have this moment of just like, oh, like whether it's relief, whether it's joy, some people, like we talk about in the course, some people it's like instantly the moment they put their hands on their baby, some it's the first cry, some it's like a little bit more delayed, right? It's like, is everything okay? Am I okay? Okay. Oh, holy crap. I just did that. Right. And I think that like we talk about in the course, the, I did it moment happens so differently for everyone and at such different times for everyone. And I've had some clients never have an, I did it moment or what, I mean, like they do, but it's not like what I consider an, I did it moment or like what I visually see from people, which is either joy or relief usually. And then I don't know if I've talked to you guys about this, but I have clients actually say to me, like, I feel bad that I didn't have that. And I always, after she told me that, wanted to tread lightly with this like expectation that you have to react a certain way when you see your baby for the first time. I never thought about it from her perspective. I always saw it as just like, oh, people have different reactions. Like some people are just like really tired. They don't have a reaction. And I think that that makes good social media content. (laughs) And I definitely posted about it to just share with them. Like, it's okay if you don't have a reaction after your baby's born. It's okay if you don't have extreme joy or, you know, shock or relief, like whatever, however you're feeling after your baby's born is what I want to capture. So that's a really long way to say, how do you know what image is the I did it moment? Sometimes there's not one that I would traditionally say like, this is their, I did it moment because they might not outwardly express that. And a lot of moms have a lot of different reactions. Some of them are like, you know, oh good, holy crap or holy crap. And then, oh good. Or then what just happened? You know, they can have a lot of different reactions. And so to me, those are all the, I did it moments. How often do you check in with a mom once you're on call? Great question. And my answer, and I'd love to hear what you guys' answers are too. I really check in relatively infrequently, especially in the beginning, like 37 to 39, even up to 40 weeks. I'm not checking in a ton because we've already had the communication prior in their consultation for them to know when to contact me. And as I'm sure if you've given birth, you know what it's like to be at the end and everybody and their grandma is texting and calling you and saying like, have you had the baby? And it's like, no, I haven't had the baby yet. Like, thank you for reminding me. So I don't want to be one of those people to my clients. And so I really try to limit check-ins as much as humanly possible. Also, I'm not their doula. So that's another thing. I'm I'm not like, I personally am not a doula. And so I'm not like checking in on them in that way. And that's why I like to have those conversations in the consultation to let them know like, Hey, I don't want to bug you with check-ins. So will you just do me a favor and let me know what you want me to know? And that there's no such thing as too much information. And I say that, like, I feel like a broken record. I just say it constantly. There's no such thing as too much information because I don't ever want them to feel like they're bugging me because they're absolutely not. Once they pass that like 40 week mark, I might 
casually kind of check in on them. Just like, Hey, you just thinking about you. I hope you're feeling good today. You know, whatever. And they might be like, Oh, Hey, I meant to tell you, I just saw my doctor and they said, blah, 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 or whatever. But I'm never like any labor signs yet. Like nothing like that ever. It's always just sort of like, Hey girl, just thinking about you, how you doing? Um, you know, I mean, it's really hot today, whatever, like just like a friendly conversation. So And also this is where getting a labor history is really helpful because I know if I've got somebody who normally goes into labor by 38 weeks and they're 39 weeks, that's a lot different than the person who you normally goes in till they brought 42 weeks, right? As far as like when I'm sort of, they're on my radar and I'm thinking about checking in with them. So um, getting that labor history is, is super helpful too. And I also... This is why I always gave a discount working with specific doulas because it was always really helpful for me to just text the doula and just be like, hey, have you heard from so-and-so? Like, what's the deal? Because I was friends with that and like they sort of knew more than me and then I didn't have to talk to the client. They could just be like, oh yeah, she told me this and this and the client didn't even tell me that. So getting buddy-buddy with the the doula is, is helpful in that situation too. And that's why I always gave discounts with doulas because it made my life easier if they had a doula because then I could just touch base with that doula and it just made it more fun too. Because then I had like a buddy there at the birth, there's a doula. <laughs> now let's talk about where to find the right songs for your birth videos. Oh, song sources. Yes. Um, Song Freedom, Triple Scoop Music. What's the other one that everybody uses? I had a subscription for so long and I just recently got rid of it because I wasn't using it. But what's the one that's like $15? Soundstripe. Soundstripe is another good one. And I like that now you can kind of filter them by the type of music that you want and the the tempo. And if you want vocals or no vocals, the thing when it comes to slideshow, whether it's video or photos, if I want something that's emotionally impactful, I'm looking for chill in the beginning and then a crescendo about halfway through, because that is where I want it to be like baby born, sobbing, emotion, right? When that music, like hits. And so when I'm looking at songs, that's one of the things I'm looking for is like, is it kind of chill? And then like, boom, tears, everyone's happy and crying. So that's what I'm looking for. Weird question, but is it inappropriate to wear sandals in a birth setting? I think I'll always plan to wear my zip up tennis shoes, but does it matter much if I forget (laughs) and then keep your toes covered? You never know what liquid is going to be. Yeah. That you might step in. If you ask any of the girls that are like 14 years old in my youth group, no one should ever have their toes showing ever. I don't know if you guys have a 14 year old in your life. They're all very anti toes showing these days. Like you wear socks with your sandals. You don't let your feet show. Nobody wants to see your feet. Um, Not for free. Exactly. Oh, whoa. What if it like all weirdly started from that? I didn't even think about that. My mind didn't even go there. They're just so weird about feet. And I like openly mocked them for wearing shoes with Crocs. I was like, you know, when I was in high school, we like made fun of people for wearing socks and sandals at the same time. Now it's like what you do. So, um, but we're up to the 14 year olds in the world. You'd be wearing socks and sandals together all the time. Um, as far as at births, I wore sandals at births. 
I never had amniotic fluid on my feet, but as I've gotten like older, I'm weirder about my feet and I like want them to stay clean. And so I might actually be a weirdo that wears socks and sandals or tennis shoes, but I also like my feet to breathe. I think it's personal preference. We're getting into way too much about what Tavia needs to wear on her feet. And I think it really is personal preference. Like if you get amniotic fluid on your foot, you can wash off when you get home. Or if you want to wear tennis shoes, wear tennis shoes. Hopefully that offers some sort of weird insight, (laughs) but it's a good, I have heard that question come up before. So I shoot births at the same birth center. Most of the time, about 80% of my clients are there. Any tips for making it look different each time? Ooh, good question. Um, my question would be, why does it need to look different? And here's why I'm saying that. I think as creatives, I found this particularly, um, in my newborn sessions, as creatives, we want to be creative, right? And when we shoot at the same location more than once, whether it's a family session or a birth, or we do the same pose with a newborn or use the same prop with a newborn, it's kind of like, okay, I've already done this. What else can I do? But the reason that I put such a huge emphasis on your galleries being consistent gallery to gallery is because I want your clients to know what to expect from you. I want to know, I want them to know the quality of work and the style of work that they're going to get when they hire you. And so it can feel boring to us to photograph the same thing in the same location and the same poses in the same bed and the same tub from top down and bottom and side. And you're like, I'm doing all these angles. It still looks the same. I kind of think that's a good thing because that is showing your potential clients what to expect from you. And they're not looking at Sally Jane's gallery and knowing that it looks the same, right? On social media, will it kind of look the same? Yeah. But to be honest, no matter where a birth tub is, it kind of looks the same anyway. Like if I'm at somebody's home shooting a birth or at a birth center, like, or a tub at home, they all kind of look the same, generally speaking. And so you can do things, of course, like try a new lighting technique, use natural light instead of flash or flash instead of natural, change up your perspectives, change up your angles. Like there's a lot of different things that you can do, but I would say, um, you kind of want your galleries to look similar. I'm also a birth doula. And whenever clients repost my photos, they say their amazing doula took the photos instead of calling me their photographer tips to get them to advertise for me the right way. Love this question too. Super great questions. You guys, you guys are coming in with all the good questions. I would gently, kindly coach them on how to reshare your photos. So something that we do with um, all of our clients is they get a print folder and they get a web slash share folder whenever we deliver their images. And I'm pretty sure we talk about this in the course too. In the web share folder, I give them a document that says, read me. And it's all about why there's two folders, where I recommend printing their images and why there's a web folder. Why should there be a web folder when there's a print folder? Shouldn't I just share images from the print folder? And if you're seeing something that's popping up over and over where they're saying they're amazing doula, first of all, that's incredible (laughs) that they're like tagging you and referencing you and saying amazing, right? That tells me that they're probably the kind of clients who are going to read a document that says, read me in their digital file. Like they're going to read that. And so if you kindly say, when you're sharing these photos, 
here's the folder to share them from. And here's why, because they're sized for web, they're sharpened, and they have a little watermark, which helps me get more clients and gives you a referral. If you can want to talk about your referral program or whatever there, that's fine. Also, when you're sharing your images, if you wouldn't mind referring to me as blah, 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 photographer or tagging blah, 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 photography account. Um, that just helps people know that I am both a professional certified doula and a professional certified birth photographer. Like, I think that that's reasonable. People probably think of you first as their doula and they don't want to make it like super long and weird and be like, amazing doula and birth photographer. So they just pick one. But I think that if you gently guide them and tell them what to do, chances are they're going to do it. Cause I've had clients even come back to me and say, okay, which folder am I supposed to share it from? Did I share the right thing? Did I share it in the right way? Should I tag you? Should I tag your business page? Like, you know, these clients are incredible. They really do care. They want to do things the right way. So if we just lightly nudge them in the right direction, they're probably going to do that. We have such an incredible group of birth photographers, almost 400 of them now inside of the course and certification. If you want more information on joining us inside, or you just want some extra tips like to go a little bit deeper than this episode, I have a free training for you all about the six things that you need to know to confidently photograph birth so that you can book more high paying birth photography clients and even go full time with birth photography if that's what you desire. To watch that free training, head over to taviaredburn.com slash start. And we will link that in the show notes as well. You've made it to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of your week with me. And I want to remind you, if you have a passion, it is not an accident because not everyone loves birth photography, friend. It might seem that way, With more birth photographers coming around, it might seem that way, but I promise you, not every photographer wants to do birth photography. So that passion lives inside of you for a reason. And I will hope that you will take the next step to pursue that passion and make it happen for yourself and your community. Have a great week.